At this time, would you please welcome Miranda to the stage? That's my husband. Just didn't know if you knew that. And I love him, and he's the best husband in the whole universe, and he did not pay me to say that. I'm saying that with my own free will. But he's awesome. And I just love him with all my heart. And ladies, y'all just need to brag on your husbands once in a while. That's free. That's not even part of my message. Because they work hard for you. And they are, they're the priests of the homes. God, God says it in his word. And uh, yeah, I got a good priest in my home. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so I'm going to get right into my, my message sermon. I don't even know what we're supposed to call these on Wednesday nights. But I'm talking up here. And so I feel like I should call it a sermon. Um... You guys are doing really good at the social distancing thing tonight. It's just way on back there. I think that's Denny. Yeah, that's Brother Denny way on back in the back. It's so bright. Okay, uh, so that's my nervous talking because I always get nervous when I come up here. But um, most of us tonight, every Wednesday, I'm, most Wednesdays I'm here if I get off work in time because it's busy. But I come on Wednesday nights and I see the same wonderful faces every week. Uh, and I think that you all can agree, you can look around, and I think pastors can confirm this if they look around, that this is part of the core group of our church. These are the people who are here every time that the doors are open. Anytime there's anything special, they're here. How can I help? How can I serve? They want to be a part. And for the most part, um, maybe with the exception of a few that, that I don't know, um, I'm talking to seasoned Christians tonight. So tonight, that's what this word is for. The word that God has given me tonight isn't for the people who are fresh in it and they've got this zeal for the Lord and you guys are just like, dear what keeps us going that have been Christians for so long because it's so exciting to be excited. It's like when you take your kid to the zoo for the first time and it's exciting to see them excited, you know, and you see things in a whole different light. Uh, when you're seeing it through fresh eyes. And I know that many of us tonight have been Christians for years. I got saved when I was seven years old um, and just have, I mean, literally been living for the Lord ever since. I mean, there were some, you know, rough patches where he had to drag me a little bit, kicking and screaming, but I still professed him as Lord of Lords and King of Kings and as my personal Savior. Uh, so I've been a Christian for 31 years. I'll let you do the math on how old I am. 31 years of walking with the Lord, and it has, some of you I know have been Christians longer than that, and when you've been walking with the Lord for so long, just like when you've been married for so long, some of you, Brother Denny, um, you get complacent, you get comfortable in your walk with the Lord, and that's a good thing, and sometimes it can be not so good of a thing. So when you've been walking with the Lord for so long, you can wake up in the morning knowing that there's not that constant struggle of, you know, maybe before you were a Christian, you struggled with drugs or you struggled with alcohol or you struggled with pornography and you had all these strongholds and bondages and things in your life that you just warred with and you toiled with and you fought against. And how many of you wake up in the morning now that you've been walking with the Lord and you can say, I'm free. You walk in freedom. You walk in liberty. And you don't wake up in the morning just 
facing those same demons, facing those same battles day after day. But you have peace because you know who you are in Christ Jesus, and he knows you. And it's such a blessing to wake up in the morning and have that and to know that you're not dealing with what the world describes as big, major sins. You know, we all have those sins. In God's eyes, they're all the same. But, you know, in the church and in the people, we have those sins that are like, oh, that, that's sin. Like, you're messing with some sin. Not just sin, but sin. Like, we are going to come up to the front and we're going to just dump the whole oil bucket on you kind of sin. Okay, so that's, you're not dealing with stuff like that anymore. You're not um, struggling and warring and battling. You read your Bible and you pray regularly. You come to church every time the doors are open. You volunteer your time at the church. You pay your tithes. Hallelujah. Amen. I could preach a whole sermon on tithes. If you don't pay your tithes, read about it. Talk to the pastor. I'm sure he will help you. Um, you love your neighbor. You do all the things you learned in Sunday school to do that you was raised up in and that Christians are supposed to do. We know what to do. We've read the Ten Commandments, uh, all the things. Well, I'm going to be honest with you lately and say that's where I've found myself as a Christian. I'm doing the things that I know I'm supposed to do. And I'm coming to church, and I'm serving the Lord. And it's just it's been a, a long journey with him, and we've finally come to a plateau, which is a good thing. But in my heart... I know there's more. <laughs> and uh, I've heard a lot of sermons in 31 years. I've read a lot of Bible. I can't count how many times I've read the Bible completely through at this point in my life. Um, I've prayed a lot of prayers. And I've sang a lot of songs. And God has, I can confess that God has always been faithful. And he's always been good. And uh, we have a good thing going, me and him. You know, I talk to him, he talks to me, and it's wonderful. Um, many of you out here can probably recite the Ten Commandments. You can recite Psalms 23. You can pray the Lord's Prayer word for word, and you know John 3.16 by heart. Uh, some of you may even have the Romans Road memorized, and you whip out that sort of the spirit daily and help lead people to the Lord and, and fight against the enemy that's trying to take people out and take people to hell. And that's, you're the people I'm talking to tonight. And you may think automatically, well, I don't really need a talking to because you just told me how great I was and how wonderful I am walking with the Lord and doing things for Jesus. And yes, that's all fantastic. But... I'm going to add uh, and give you another sermon to add to your filing cabinet of uh, sermons tonight. So I think as Christians, and then this is kind of where my, my message is going, it's important to always have our ears open and our hearts open because God doesn't just want to speak to you here at church. He wants to talk to you all the time. It's got to be like just an ongoing conversation because he's always with you, always walking with you. And so tonight, I hope this isn't just another message that you just came to listen to and you're, you're fulfilling your duty as a Christian here tonight by coming to church on Wednesday because the door's open and you should be here. But I hope that tonight that you hear and your heart hears and that you're not just here to fulfill a duty and you're not just here out of obedience, but you're still here even after 31 years out of a hunger 
Because God is so big that there's no way you'll ever be satisfied and no way you'll ever have enough of him. So, like I said, I believe that God likes to speak to us in every task. I can be cleaning the house. I can be folding the laundry. I can be doing the dishes. I can be at work messing with the most ungodly, disgusting things. I'm a wound care nurse, so I see a lot of ter- this just horrible things that most people can't tolerate, but I'm like, oh, that is so cool. Um, but... God wants to open your eyes to the spirit realm, even in those moments, and begin to pour into your heart and reveal his word and reveal his ways to you so that you are always growing spiritually. We shouldn't just be coming to learn here at churches. This is not like like school where you just go, okay, for eight hours and I learn and then I come home, my brain shuts off and I don't have to think about it anymore. This is a relationship with God that constantly needs to be growing and maturing and learning and pruning. And so that's what's, that's where my message has come from, is from we recently moved into a new house that needed to be completely remodeled. Anybody had to remodel a house? It's terrible. Lord Jesus. Anyways, so we moved into a new home, and when you move, what happens? You start to move your couch, you move your refrigerator, you move your beds, you clean out your closets, and you... Find all of the things that have been there for however long you have lived. I cannot see you guys at all. For however long you have lived in that house. Like, have any, when's the last time any of you, like, moved your fridge or your stove? Like, ever? Does anybody ever, like, oh, I'm going to clean out from under the stove today? Any of you angel people that do that? Okay, I didn't think so. Good, I feel better. So, we're moving out all this stuff, move the couch, and I'm like, now, if... And I hear this voice, and we're, we're cleaning out the house and moving things, and I hear this voice in the back of my head. This is what pastor does. This is where God speaks to him on Sundays. He's always patting the back of his head. Well, it, it does happen like that because the Lord is speaking to me, and, he, and I just hear this voice, and he says, how clean is your house? And that's the title of my sermon tonight or message is, how clean is your house? And if you would have asked me and be like, well, do you have a clean house? And I would have said, yes, I do have a clean house. I clean the house. I have a Roomba. He does this thing. I push the button. He goes. I have children. They dust sometimes. And uh, I have a dishwasher that washes things. And we're, I don't like a lot of clutter, so we don't have a lot of clutter in our house. I like to just get rid of it, get rid of it out. I don't want it. It makes me nervous. makes me stressed. And um, so I would say that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good housekeeper. I have a clean house. No, I don't. Because when we started to move all that stuff out, and I got to see the horrors that lied under things that had not been attended to, or dusted, or cleaned, or mopped in seven and a half years, I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to do something about this. If anybody comes in here and sees us, they're going to think we live like slovenly pigs. And they're going to assume that we are, that we all have lice and bed bugs and that everything is just horrible and disgusting. So I had to do some major cleaning uh, to all those things that had been hidden for so long and that had been in place for so long. Because, you know, what's the reason that you leave that stuff where they are? Because heavy. And, you, and it's hard to move, and it takes more than one person, and you got to get under there, and nobody ever wants to do that, and you have to unhook stuff, and it's a lot of trouble. And that's why you only do it when you move before the new people come in, and they think that you are very clean. 
So, I've decided that moving and packing is literally one of the worst things that can ever happen in your life. And I never want to have to do it again, so I hope this is our forever home, Lord, please. There have been many instances in this process that God has spoken to me and taught me things along the way. Because, like I said, you have to have your ears open because he always wants to tell you things and relate to you. You know, he wants to relate to you. He just doesn't want to speak to you in King James Version. But he wants to say, hey, you know, just like that pile of dirt you're sweeping up, you know, that's what I did for you. I cleaned you up. I washed you. You know, he wants to be able to relate to you in, in whatever you do. And just like what I deal with wounds every day, and I think of some of the wounds that I've had in my life and even at work, and I'm like, God, you healed. Thank you, Jesus. You healed that wound in me. I was so wounded. I was so broken. But, God, you, you took out all the yuck, and now you've healed me. And I may have some scars, but I'm healed. Do you see what I'm saying? How God, let him talk to you. What God, you know, all throughout your day, what are you going to say to me? So, you know, the dust bunnies, the muckety-muck under my kid's bed. Oh, Lord. Especially my son Titus. Apparently, long ago, he had spilled a soda. And uh, sodas are sticky. And so everything that had ever flew underneath the bed was now stuck to this. I'm telling on myself. Was stuck to this pile of soda. And it was so, it was so disgusting. And it was so terrible. And I was, I was like, Lord, we, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, son, that I let you live in this mess. Uh, Anyways, moving on. I'll just talk forever because I like to talk. Um, Yeah, you would have said, I would have told you that my house was clean, and the Lord asked me how clean was my house, and I was so, I was so quickly to answer him, just like I told about all of you, that we are all very good Christians at this point, and we do what we're supposed to do, and we obey the Lord, and we walk in the Spirit, and we do all these things, so I was fixing to answer him really quick. Yeah, Lord, my house is clean, you know that. You know it's clean. But then when I move that couch, and I move my kid's bed, The Lord just convicted my spirit, and he said, you've got some things that are heavy that you haven't let me move, and you've got some junk under there, Miranda, that that I still need to clean and that I still need to purge, because I don't know if you know this, people, but we have not arrived. We are not perfect yet, and every day there's something that God is working on you. He's still working on me. Any of you remember that old song, To Make Me What I Ought to Be? And he is still working on me. And until we reach glory and we look Jesus face to face and we are in our perfected bodies, no longer bound up in this flesh, God better be working on you. And God better be cleaning you. And you better be asking him to come in and move some stuff around so that he can get you to where he wants you to be every day of this journey. When he asked me that, I felt conviction. I didn't feel condemnation because that's not how Jesus works. I didn't feel shame, but I felt recognition and I felt checked in my spirit because now I could see and now my eyes were open that I did have some things that God, I need you to move. They're too heavy for me to move by myself. And that's why I've left them in place so long, Lord, but I need you to come and help me pick this up and let's look underneath it. Let's look underneath all of this surface that looks so clean. And let's get down to the dust bunnies and the, the, the grime. And Lord, let's get it out. 
I want to be as close to you as I can. And if these heavy things are in the way, and if these heavy things are what's keeping grime in my heart, God, you pluck them out and you tear them down and you move them. God reminded me that I have not yet been perfected because I'm still so far from my heavenly home. I needed to allow him to move, that there were things in my flesh and my heart that were filthy to him because he's perfect and holy. And these, these things that, they were things that were just almost religious and not relationship. And, and that's something that God has to point out to you because it's religion that put him on the cross. It's, it's the religious things, the Pharisees that wanted to see him crucified. And those things are hard to recognize because you can get so pious in yourself when you've been a Christian for so long. And self-righteousness and pride creeps in and you don't even recognize it. And you have to ask God for spiritual eyes because those are the things you get blinded to. Those are the things that the enemy doesn't want you to recognize So when you're, when you're praying about these things that are in the way, just, and, you, and if you don't know what to pray for, go through the fruits of the Spirit and check yourself. Check your heart against those things daily. God, you know, do I need to work on this? Do I need to work on loving people? Do I need to work on selfishness? Do I need to work on pride? Do I need to work on all these things? Lord, help me be a bearer of the fruits of the Spirit. All of you seasoned Christians, that's what I call you, uh, saints, seasoned Christians. We're just seasoned, you know, like a good old iron skillet. It's just seasoned. Nothing sticks to you anymore. Oh, that's fine. God's got this. You know, you're just seasoned. And, uh, but when is the last time that you let God come and move in you? When's the last time that you had him come in and have him take a look at all your grime? And your dust and your filth that's just been building up in spots in your heart. Probably not very often because it's really hard because that requires work. And it requires action and it requires you to do something about it. When you ask God to come look inside of me and find, move all this stuff, it requires you to do something about it. God's not going to reveal junk to you and stuff in your heart and then expect you just to leave it there. He's standing just like you do when you're telling your kids to clean your room. He's going, mm-hmm, you missed a spot. You got to get that cleaned up right now. That is disgusting. That's what he's doing. He's, he doesn't like sin. He, he wants to perfect us and get us to the place that he's called us to be, which is like his son Jesus. What's exciting about when God moves heavy things, though, is that once you've moved those things, now you can go to a new place. So now that I had all that stuff moved, I could clean up, and now I'm moved into a new house that's just five minutes from the church, and the Lord has blessed us. And if I hadn't moved all my stuff, I could have moved to a new place, but it would be hard. wouldn't have a bed to sleep in. wouldn't have a fridge to keep my stuff cold in. You know, it makes things more difficult when you don't allow God to move things and he's trying to take you to a new place, but you're being stubborn. You're like, well, I just want to keep all my old stuff there, but all you're doing is making more trouble for yourself. There's a lot of analogies tonight, but I promise I got scripture in here. <laughs> so 
So that's when you have to check yourself and ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself tonight when we pray how clean your house really is. I've got a couple more things, and I'm going to try to go fast. Another thing I learned moving into our new house was about moisture and moisture damage. So our house had been empty for two and a half years. Nobody lived in it. The air conditioning hadn't been on. So you walked in. It didn't smell too bad until you got to the basement, which is where moisture likes to hang out. And it was very moist, very musty, very mildewy down there. You could see mold on the walls. It's just really nasty and, um, and just gross. And we also found, like, we had to tear out, like, four layers of wallpaper in every room. Well, in the dining room, it was so bad that we had to tear off sheetrock. And we found out underneath there, and this was the Lord, this was the God thing, and I'll tell you why in a second, um, that the sewer pipe from the toilet above the dining room ran down through the wall and had been leaking into the wall. And so there was all this mold and nasty. And so we had to fix that. And if we hadn't had to tear off four layers of wallpaper and completely destroy the sheetrock, we never would have found it. So praise the Lord for that. He orders our steps. Amen. So we've got all this mold. We find leaks in the wall. We've got a damp basement. Uh, There was mold. I took off some wallpaper and there was mold under that wallpaper in the basement. Took off the baseboards and all that stuff. And there's mold and mildew under there. There's like mildew growing on the kitchen cabinets. I mean, it was just damp, 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 damp in there. So because the house had been empty with no air circulating in it and no life in it for two and a half years, all of this mold and mildew started to grow. So again, when I'm looking at all this mess, God is speaking to me and he's like, you got a moldy house. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know, I understand the analogy of getting rid of grime, but what do you mean I have a moldy house? And so I go to the Google, which I always do in my Bible app. That's that's what I call it. It's not Google. It's the Bible search thing, but it's Google to me. And I type in house because I'm like, okay, there must be something, Lord, that you're wanting to show me. And there's a whole chapter in there on moldy houses in Leviticus. And I'm like, okay, here we go, Lord. Show me. Show me what you want to say. So I'm just going to read part of that to you and why God said there's mold in your house. So it is in Leviticus chapter 14, starting in verse 33. Uh, And it's literally titled in your Bible, Cleansing from the Defiling Molds. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when you enter the land of Canaan, that's important to remember, that I am giving to you as your possession, and I, the Lord, put a spreading mold in the house, in a house in that land. The Lord put it there. Hmm. That just really like, hmm, Lord, why? Why are you putting mold in people's houses? So the owner of the house must go and tell the priest, I have seen something that looks like a defiling mold in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mold so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. Because if the priests come there and you got all your stuff in the house and the mold's in the house, then everything's unclean. You got to throw it away and burn it and take it outside the city. That's later on in the chapter. So after the priests go in and inspect the house, he is to examine the mold on the walls. And if it has greenish or reddish depressions that appear to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. And if the mold has spread on the walls, he is to order that the contaminated stones be torn out Thrown into an unclean place outside the town, he must have all the inside of the wall's house scraped and the material that is scraped dumped off into the unclean place outside of town. 
Then they are to take other stones to replace these and take new clay and new plaster in the house. If the defiling mold reappears in the house after the stones have been torn out and the house is scraped and plastered, the priest is to go and examine it, and if the mold has spread in the house, then the whole house must be torn down, and it must be rebuilt. Stones, timbers, and all the plaster taken out to the unclean place and rebuilt. It says, and anyone, anyone who goes into the house while it is closed up with the mold inside will be unclean until evening, and anyone who sleeps or eats in the house must wash their clothes. But if the priest comes to examine it and the mold has not spread after the house has been plastered and redone, he shall pronounce the house clean because the defiling mold is gone. Then it goes on later, and you know, he talks about how to get rid of, uh, dispose of the mold, all this stuff. But then he goes on and said the only way to get rid of this defiling mold is through the blood. It took a blood sacrifice to be sprinkled over the house for it to finally be named clean. And that is so true of our hearts. And, and, and let me tell you what the mold has to do. Just let me get there. So one of the things that I caught my attention is that uh, the children of Israel had finally reached Canaan. And, and they were uh, reaching their promised land and actually got to settle down. They weren't wandering anymore. They were settling down, building houses, building homes, putting down roots. And... Uh, they were, they were done with their wandering, which is how many of us, that's where we are tonight. You know, that we've been Christians for so long, we're not wandering anymore. We're found. We're found by God, and he knows us, and we know him, and we're not wandering anymore. Praise the Lord. So we've reached a settled place in our spiritual journey, and it's, it's wonderful. It's peaceful. It's it's. Just like the best feeling when you reach this relationship with the Lord. But then if you read the first verses, like I said, it says the Lord caused the mode to appear. And I was like, why? Why would the Lord cause the mode to appear? That doesn't make no sense. But then if you read on, it's because it causes the, you to have to go to the priest and say, priest, I have mold in my house and I need you to come and inspect it. And the Bible calls Jesus the very high priest. And sometimes, how many of us know that God can bring us to something that makes us run to him and makes us have to ask him for help because we've become settled and we've be, we're beginning to put down roots and it's been a while since we've had to go get the priest and have him come in and do an inspection. And that's where some of us are at tonight in our Christian walk. You've been a Christian so long, but how long has it been since you've asked Jesus, the high priest, to come in and do an inspection? And, and so when I started looking at all of the mold damage, I'm going to get away from here. I'm going to be talking all night. All the mold damage, all the mustiness, all the mildew in our new house, we had to tear out some of the sheetrock and replace it. And we had to do some of that anti-mold paint, and we had to get the moisture under control. And as Christians, when we get to this point, we can just become moisture-damaged Christians, because the Holy Spirit, you know, he just comes, you just let him come in and mist a little bit, and just enough to know he was there, but have no real change, because you can let mold go for a little while, you see it, and you're like, oh, that's, that's gross, and then it goes on for a while, and it begins to grow, and it begins to spread, and you can kind of live with it for a while, 
And, 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 and you can wait a little while before you have to intervene uh, with the mold. And just like with the Holy Spirit, when we get to be uh, oldy moldy Christians, we're just letting the Holy Spirit come in, not do a real change, not do a real work, but just kind of sprinkle us on the inside just enough to where he's evident by mold. And we really need the priest. We need to ask the Holy Spirit uh, to come in and flood us because when I researched mold damage and, and moisture damage, then, of course, it led to flood damage. And then I started reading about flood damage. And when you've ever had flood damage, as high as the water goes, you have to cut the walls out. And you have to take everything below that was under the water and cut it out and gut the house and completely remodel it. And let me tell you that I don't want to be a musty, old, moldy Christian anymore. I want God and the Holy Spirit to come flood my heart. And I want there to have to be a remodeling of my spirit, even though that I've been a Christian for 31 years, that I want people to walk in and say, what has happened here? The Holy Spirit has come in like a flood and has messed this girl up. That she's not just oldy and moldy and crusty, but something has happened here. There is evidence that the Holy Spirit has come in like a flood. And now when he does that, there has to be, there's a remodeling that has to take place. You can't be flooded by the Holy Spirit and not have a remodeling and a, and a cleansing and a renewing that takes place. And some of you, how many, how long has it been before you have been flooded by the Holy Spirit? Not just come in here on Sunday morning and be misted by the Holy Spirit. I wish that some of you could come up here and see my point of view every week and pastor's point of view every week. When I come in here and I'm pumped up, I've been in my word and I've been talking to Jesus and I'm ready to praise him with my fellow Christians. And some of you struggle to find a reason to raise your hands and you find a reason to sing out loud and you struggle to find a reason to praise him because things aren't going your way. Let me tell you, it's time for you to start asking for a flood of the Holy Spirit. And that's what our church needs. We have lots of new Christians that are excited for the Lord, but don't let us dampen and moisture damage their fire because we are old and moldy and mildewy because we're only allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and mist on our hearts and just do a little bit of things instead of coming in to flood our hearts and begin to change us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have some of the best preaching in the best church in this state. And the Holy Spirit moves in this church, and he's willing. Every week, he comes in like a flood. And it's whether you're going to open up the gates and open up the doors to your house and let him come in and do some flood damage. Amen? Woo. Hallelujah. Lord, tear it down. Tear it down, Lord. Tear it down. Tear down my old walls. Some of you have lived in the same house for 50 plus years and you've not remodeled it. You've not redone it. You're sitting on the same couch that you bought from, what was that store? It used to be downtown. I don't even remember it. I've lived here my whole life. Anderson's Furniture. You're sitting on the same couch that you bought at Anderson's Furniture 30 years ago. And some of you spiritually are sitting on the same move of God that happened to you 30 years ago. Well, bless God, he moved on me then. That was so good. Thank you, Lord. When he has got this brand new house 
that he wants you to move into and wants you to live in and take up residence. But you're so unwilling to remodel. And let me tell you, it's a tough process, remodeling. It is frustrating, and it takes a lot of patience, and it takes a lot of money. And when God is asking to remodel your heart and renew your heart, it's going to take you spending some things. It's going to take you spending some time in prayer. It's going to take you spending some time reading his word. It's going to take you spending the energy to raise your hands and worship him even when you don't feel like it. It's going to cost you something when God wants to renew and move and remodel. We've been in this church 13, 14 years now, 14 years now, and we've already remodeled. I think that's amazing. And just like let God speak to you spiritually there. This church is not a church that is stale and stagnant and sitting on the same pews that we brought over from Ninth and Cedar. This is a church that is willing to be moved under the power of the Holy Spirit and ask God, where do you want us to go next? What do you want us to do? There is renewing of the mind and renewing of the spirit here in this church. Every week, if you're willing, God is going to move on you and wants to renew you in this church because we have a church that is alive and breathing. It's not like my old and musty house that I bought. We bought it anyways. That has been lifeless without life in it for two years, two and a half years. And it's so strange how a, how a house just dilapidates when nobody lives in it. You think when people live in it that that would be when a house would break down, wear down, but it's not. It's like the people bring the life into the house. And that's just like this church building the people bring the life into the house. How much life are you bringing in the house? I, I'm sorry, but I'm tired of bringing in my mold into the house. I want to bring in a renewed spirit and a renewed mind and a daily walk with God that is constantly changing me. Heaven forbid that I be the same Christian that I was last week when God is so huge and he's so big. And he's so awesome and he's so mighty. And how dare we ever think that we have arrived? And how dare we ever think that we are righteous and we are holy and we are good? Because the Bible says there is no good except for God. So tonight we're going to come and pray. And I want you to check yourself and ask God, how clean am I? God, is there mold? Lord, the, send your priest, Jesus, to come in and inspect me. And if I have some stones that have to be tore down so that you can do a work and so that you can move and so I can be a functional for you, then bless God, do it. And those are some of the hardest prayers to pray when they involve change in your heart. It's easy to pray for other people. Lord, pray that you would just change brother so-and-so. He's just awful. He's just terrible, Lord. I don't know what you're going to do with them. I see him at church every week, then he goes out on Monday, and I see him smoking that cigarette, and I see him just telling those jokes. It's terrible. It's so easy to point out other people's flaws and pray for other people. But it is hard work to remodel your insides and to take a look inside your heart and ask God to do a change in you. And that's where the revival and this nation is going to start is when we really change and when we really know that God is sovereign and that we serve a God that wants to shake some things up. 
He is also tired of how things have always been in this nation sitting on the same furniture that they got from Anderson's 30 years ago because we've allowed things that, that we've just kept allowing them to happen. Oh, it's fine. It'll pass. It doesn't. The enemy grows stronger and stronger every day because we're getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And we have to be ready. So I would invite you. You can pray right there. I will come pray with you if you need to. And we're going to pray and we're going to inspect our hearts. We're going to do a mold cleansing here tonight. And we're going to ask for the flood of the Holy Spirit to come fill our hearts again. So that we can see a change in ourselves. And see, have a little more pep in our step in our Christian walk. No wonder so many people are turned off by God when we're old and moldy. They want to see a flood. Have you ever, you've ever seen a flood? They're, they're breathtaking almost. You're in awe of the, of the damage that they're doing and that the things that they're causing is just, it's almost amazing and terrifying all at the same time. Let the Holy Spirit be that in our church and be that in us tonight. You Christians that have been Christians for so long, myself, move in us tonight, Lord. Let's go ahead and pray.